Okay, well, welcome everyone. Let's have that first slide, Hannah. Thank you so much. And we're praying for Hannah for, uh, we've got 47 slides today. We're gonna be clipping along in this material. You're gonna do great. Hannah is uh, works with Moms for America. She comes to us out of Oregon and Z is in Colorado. This is the Moms for America team. And I live in, in Washington, DC. I'm just about 20 minutes from the White House. And so anyways, today we are talking about healing the community and the state. We are on lesson number 14, 15, 16. We're on lesson number 14 in seminar four. It is about solutions. Hallelujah. We, we, I don't think you'd be here today. Uh, you wouldn't have gone through this series if you didn't want to know how you can be a part of the solution. So let's see the next slides, um, Hannah. This really, I hope, has been your war cry. You have seen this slide so much over the course of 14 weeks. Our four points of staying anchored in hope when everyone around us seems like they are losing their minds, like the world is turned upside down. I hope that this will, will be at the tips of your tongue here, that you will know, look, we got to get God back into this equation. I was just talking to a girlfriend uh, a few days ago, and she was telling me about a, a conflict that she has with her um, husband in their marriage, 19 years, and consequently, they're having a, a real problem with the daughter now. And I said to her, I said, do you want to stay married to him? And she said, yes. I, I said, okay, you're going to have to fight for him. I said, are you, are you praying? Are you, are you praying to God morning and night? Are you talking to God throughout the day? And she said, no. I said, are you, are you in the word to shore yourself up, to remind yourself how God works? No. And so this is, it reminded me of the class last week. How can we heal our families and our communities and the school and this nation and state if we're not healing ourselves? And so I gave her an assignment to begin to pray morning and night to know how to love this man, to know how to you, you know, help him with some of the issues that he's dealing with. I have a greater capacity to see him as he can become. Now, a woman that is praying like that morning and night for her husband, for her marriage, don't you think God is going to run to her aid and soften her heart? And so we got to get God more in our life. We got to turn to him when we have problems instead of the therapist or the book or the attorney to the divorce or, or whatever. We gotta get God more into our life, into the word. And then uh, let's see that uh, um, slide again, those four points, uh, Hannah, if we can. And then of course, we gotta keep those uh, kids close. We gotta uh, keep the, the adult children close. Let's see this slide after um, Hannah, the fourth, let's move forward on our slide. Okay, and then the next slide. So let's see the next slide, Hannah. So these are all my children. And, you know, I mean, just yesterday, it was one of the boys' birthdays. Four of those kids are out of the home. And so all the kids got on Zoom. And uh, probably every single day, I probably spend at least one hour with these kids. We have to do whatever we can, whether they're adults or little. And there's the youngest daughter in her little uh, uniform. I think that was like the last day of school. She's going to be a sophomore, almost 16 years old. So we got to keep these kids close. And when we talked for almost an hour on his birthday call yesterday, we talked about, you know, what's going on right now in Washington, D.C. And we talked, you know, uh, we talk about fun stuff, but we talk about serious stuff at all. And so it's like you're giving them talking points to know how to rebuff uh, 
their peers or the things that they're going to be up against as you keep them close and and you you know bear witness of ways in which you're serving and and you know your experiences with prayer and at church and that kind of thing to just shore them up and then you know let's see the next slide and then of course we know uh, we're, we're coming together to learn, you know, these principles of the Constitution and our foundings so that when we go out and we speak in our communities or to our, uh, you know, testify before the school board or when we talk within, you know, to our children, we're speaking on principle, just not on emotion. And then as you do those three things to stay anchored in hope, God will put on your heart. What are some things I can do? And today we're going to be talking about these solutions. And I hope as we go through these solutions today, that something will spark in your heart that you'll be receptive and to feel the presence when God is pricking and pu pushing upon your heart and mind to be a part of some of these solutions. So you don't have to do all, you don't have to, you know, solve everything, but he does want us to do our parts. So, you know, we're talking about healing education today and healing our communities and our state. It's the end of the school year. I know school isn't, or summer isn't officially on till July or June 21st, but I think most of us are, the kids are out of school now. And, you know, sometimes, whoo, summer can press down on mothers because the kids are underfoot and, you know, they're messing up things and there's maybe a little fighting and so forth. And sometimes we're like, whoo, can we get through the summer? But, you know, I have always found with my children, if I had to plan I, I showed the picture last week in the Thursday evening class. I'm not sure if I did make a calendar for the summer and some of the activities and concerts and little trips and things. So the kids can, can have, you know, activities to look forward to and, and set a little calendar on your fridge or just a little sheet of we're going to have a little devotional in the morning. We're going to do our, our chores. Then we're going to have an outing. You put your little patriotic field trips or camps or that kind of thing. So we don't need to dread the summer. If you, I find in life in general, if you have a plan, you know, then you have a purpose when you wake up. I would really recommend watching last Thursday's class uh, when we talk about establishing uh family time, quality family time and traditions. And, and we gave lots of ideas of things we can do during the summertime. So we're talking today, let's see that next slide again, uh, the replace, the change replacing counteract slide, Hannah. Yes. So um, school is out so, and we have three months now to think about how our children are going to be educated, how are we going to counter maybe some of the influences uh, that they're receiving in the schools. In the, the cottage meeting manual, in this manual here, one of the lessons talks about you can change, you can replace, or you can counteract what your children are learning. Change meaning you, you can just pull them, or, or change meaning you can get involved in the schools and be, about, be a change agent. You can you know, volunteer in the PTA programs. You can uh, be a homeroom parent. You can uh, run for school board, you can uh, be a part of rewriting curriculums or establishing curriculums, or you can replace, you can just pull your kids out of school, put them in a private school, a homeschool them, put them in a charter school, or you can counteract, meaning you can provide positive influences to counteract the negative, destructive uh, indoctrination <laughs> or teachings that they are receiving. I have tried every single one of those with my children. The one that I found most effective and most practical because 
you know, maybe you don't have, maybe you're working mama, maybe you don't have the means to, you know, go in and, and to be honest with you, schools really aren't allowing parents in the schools the way they used to, even a few years ago. And maybe, you know, you don't have the means or the resources or schools around you to pull your child out of a government school. I call them public schools, government schools. I believe the best way that you can arm and short and, and begin to heal them, regardless of what education they're getting from the outside, is from within the four walls of your home. I think that is the most successful way to arm and educate your child. And that is done. And you've heard me say this so many times in the, in the home, in a family devotional setting, in the mornings, at the dinner hour, before you put the children to bed. So I just have one child left at home now. Uh, this has been our school routine for the whole year. She gets up and we say a little pledge. There's a flag in the kitchen there. She sits at the kitchen island. We pray. We we say the pledge. We go through. There's the Bible there. I don't know if you can see it on the counter. That come follow me is the, a New Testament curriculum. So we've been going through the New Testament. We just spend a few minutes, you know, talking about a Bible story. Then we go through one of the 5,000 year leap principles. And then we review the headlines. We, then we go through a little a uh, little paragraph from a book that my church puts out establishing values and biblical values called the strength of youth. And then I read to her a little page or two out of a fictional book right now. Uh, we just finished up uh, the Daniel Dawson, Dawson series on the revolutionary war. Then we review a little calendar that I put up and then we sing a gospel and we pray. And, and that is how I arm that child up to go out in the world and discern truth from error when she, where she might ever, she might hear it from the school teacher, from her peers on social media. I think that kind of routine is the best way to prepare your child to be able to know truth from error in the world. And so that's what it looks like in my home. It has changed every year. When the kids were little, I did a little bit differently. I talked about that last week in our Thursday class, how you can teach your children when they're little, when they're middles, and when they're adults. You know, I send out that little family devotional to all my adult kids, just send it out this morning with a little testimony, a little quote, and then, you know, mama's personal witness about what's going on in the family. Let's see the next slide. So I think the next, next slide just shows there's a flag, we pledge. We go over the headlines. So I want my children to hear, let's see that headline, what is going on in the world from the perspective of mother before the teacher or social media twists it. And then oftentimes we'll just read the story out of the, uh, of the Bible and discuss how God works. What is his laws? What has he said, you know, from the lawgiver himself, how are we, his little creations going to be the most happy. And so, and that takes just about 15 minutes. Let's see the next slide. So um, the healing of our community and state is going to occur when we become informed, knowledgeable citizens, because we'll take that information to strengthen our community. And this is point number three from that talk we studied from uh, Secretary Benson last week, Righteousness Exalteth a Nation. Let's see that next slide. When we understand the position of the founders, then we know how to use those principles to speak with greater authority with whomever we may come in contact with. One of the most important, uh, let's go back to number three. One of the most important aspects in the healing of America is healing our state in our community because that's where we live, mamas. That's where we go to work. That's where our kids go to school. That's where we go to church and, and they have their little recreational activities. Really, it's our neighborhoods and our communities that mold the character 
of the family members. That's why it's imperative that the community builds its uh, uh, builds upon the standards that they want, standards of morality, decency, and integrity. This is what our the founding fathers intended uh, for when they said strong local self-government is the keystone to preserving human freedom. That at the most local level, we should determine how we take care of our poor and needy and how there are children uh, are to be educated. Let's see that next slide. And Moses himself, God gave it to Moses, instructed him to organize government so that the most attention would be given to the problems at the local level. So Moses in Deuteronomy and Exodus and Genesis in the Bible, he made captains uh, over 10 families, over 50, over 100, over 1,000. And he wanted uh, the most problems to be solved at the level where the people were closest to them so they would know how to best handle them and only the difficult problems were meant to you know to be heard by Moses kind of like how representative government was intended when our founders first established that so our founding fathers were correct in their beliefs that every community has the right to determine its own standards of morality and behavior and this was spelled out in the first amendment where they banned the federal government from um, at all levels of becoming involved in the internal operations of the state, especially pertaining to religious beliefs and religious practices. So the first amendment in the constitution when our founders said Congress shall make no laws respecting the establishment of a religion, meaning they didn't want a state religion being uh, you know, forced upon the states like they had just broken away from the church of England. They didn't want the federal government to impose one religion. They wanted it to be uh, you know, handled at the state level and they didn't want the government to prohibit the exercise of any kind of religion. They wanted you know, standards of morality and decency to be able to be hashed out at the local level. Let the people decide, you know, under, uh, you know, what uh, um, uh, values and beliefs and, and uh, levels of morality they wanted to live under. So it's interesting with so much impact that the community has on a person and, and a family, oftentimes that's the, the least uh, amount of attention that is given in the news. The local news is, is rarely highlighted. I think, you know, when you watch a TV or, or you watch, uh, I don't, I don't know, does anyone even watch news anymore? But when you see the, the news reels, it's all kind of the national sensational news. I mean, if you were to read the Washington Post the last few days, you would think the only thing in America that is going on is the indictment and the arraignment of uh, President Trump. Two days ago, there was literally eight full or maybe it was eight pages. It felt like it was eight pages to me. Almost the entire first section of the Washington Post was on that one thing and all these other issues no one is uh, tuning into. And, and that's a problem. We should know more about what is going on locally than nationally really, because that it impacts us more at the local level. And it, let's see the next slide, Hannah. Amendments 9 and 10 reveals the heart of our founding fathers. They wanted only, uh, they said in the Ninth Amendment, the Constitution, the enumeration, the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage the other rights retained by the people. And the Tenth Amendment says the power is not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. So if 
the constitution is silent on something, that doesn't mean that that gives the government the right to tell us how it should be played out. It means it's supposed to go back to the people and to the states respectively. If, if a, you know, abortion is not mentioned in the constitution, which it is not, then that means it's for the states and for the people to determine. If uh, gay marriage is not mentioned in the constitution, then it's not meant for the federal courts to get involved. It's meant for the states and the people in that community and state to determine how they want to handle those kind of behaviors. Let's see that next slide with the, the James Madison quote. James Madison says that, and as we have studied, I hope by now it's undeniable, uh, you know, this thought here, this quote by James Madison, let's go back to that. The powers delegated by the proposed constitution to the federal government are few and defined. Those which are to remain in the state governments are numerous and indefinite. The powers reserved to the several states will extend to all the objects which in the ordinary course of affairs concerns the lives, liberties, and properties of the people and the internal order and improvement and prosperity of the state. Okay, so that means, however, that as citizens of the state, we need to be informed and we need to be knowledgeable about preserving our constitutional liberties within uh, our communities. Look, it's been said that liberty means responsibility. That's why so many people dread it and they just wanna throw it over the fence and let you know someone in Washington DC 3000 miles away uh, figure it out for us. But inevitably that means we won't have liberty anymore if we're not willing to rise up and be a part of the solution. So today we're gonna to talk about a lot of concerns and we're gonna talk about the solutions. So let's see that next slide. The very first step to becoming involved locally is to heal our education, all right? People tend to behave according to what they believe. The enemies of the constitution have used our educational system to promote their destructive agendas. And we're seeing this, we're feeling every single day, every single time we look at our, our newsfeed on our uh, the internet or on our phone, we're seeing how um, they're using the educational system to condition and to groom this rising generation. Let's see the next slide. So the worries uh, of the parents could really be summed up into four areas. Parents are worried that they don't have any say anymore about what's going on in the school systems. They're also concerned that the, what the children are being taught is anti-God, it's anti-religion and it's anti-morality. And parents are, are worried that it's anti-American as well, that the children don't have any kind of loyalty to the constitution or to our founding fathers. And parents are worried about the safety of sending their kids off to school, you know, with mass shootings and, and also worried about their spiritual safety, you know, going, going astray and being taught that wrong is right and right is wrong. And so let's look at number one, concern number one. Next slide. Hannah, thank you, sweetheart. You're doing great. Parents are worried they have no control about what's going on in the classrooms anymore, you know in the early uh, days of our country, parents knew they had a God-given responsibility to raise their children and education was kind of an extension of the family. 
But in recent years, schools have adopted a delivery system through Horace Mann that we talked about in seminar three and John Dewey. And they were irreligious atheist men who were humanists. They were disciples of Marxism. And so we have, you know, tenets of Marxism woven all throughout our education system because of these educational reformers that are held very in high regards in educational uh, circles where they knew that they had to diminish, these men knew, had to diminish the influence of mother and of God. And so they made the school day longer and they broke up the schools into three different buildings. And so peer pressure became more important than, than the family. So what is the solution to this? Let's see the next slide, is to create competition. Okay, that means we're gonna get off their track. We're going to pull our kids out. We're going to send them maybe to private schools. That's my little girl with the, the beautiful um, white building temple behind them. Uh, that's her little all girls Catholic school. There's about oh, 20 girls in her uh, ninth grade class there. So in sixth grade, I said, I'm not happy with the public school system in this Washington DC area. So I pulled her out and I put her in this small uh, little school. So you can homeschool. I've homeschooled uh, at a time, all my children uh, as well. And so that's an option. There's co-ops, there's pods. Um, there are two different kinds of schools. Uh, there's ones that are established by individuals or churches. Okay, so those are private schools. And then there's one that we don't see anymore, but this is how it, it was uh, and is the ideal way and how it used to be when in communities, local communities would set up their own private schools under the direction of the city council. And so this took, this would take the school out of, underneath control, out of control of the district or the state school boards. Now, originally when the schools were set up in the early history of our country, the, the city councils um, would have advisory boards made up of parents and they would confer with the parents in, in selecting the teachers or the principals or the curriculums. We, we don't necessarily do that anymore because our constitution has given way too much power to the president of the United States. And under him, all kind of um, uh, entities like the, the Department of Education. And so the Department of Education dangles the carrot, dangles money before state school boards. And the state school board is now dictating, you know, how our children must be taught in our, our schools. So if you just uh, um, come out from underneath the, the control of these state school boards, eliminate, imagine, uh, you know, if we had an amendment, and we'll talk about this next week, uh, if we had an amendment that reigned in the powers uh, of the executive, then some of all uh, these things that the president now oversees would fall by the wayside, go back to the states, go back to the city councils. And so this is how it was originally. And so I'm just gonna plant this seed in you. We don't really see this happening anymore, but under a restored constitution, that's how it would look. Now we need to be, um, oh, uh, uh, on the uh, alert, um, aware of the lure of easy money that's disguised in charter schools. Now, charter schools are more specialized. They're not as regulated as government schools, but still they receive funding from the government as do school vouchers. So whenever you're taking a, going to a school that is taking assistance from the government, just know that they are being controlled at, at, at some level. And so ideally we wanna get our funding from the local level. I mean, the most local within our city and resist federal funding and state funding. And we would we'd be more 
easily able to do that under a, a restored constitution. And we're gonna talk about some specific amendments that we could do that would make this kind of thing possible, okay? All right, so concern number two, we're concerned about the irreligious and inappropriate curriculum that our kids are, are having in school, critical race theory. Let's see that next slide, Hannah. Parents are having little or no say about textbooks uh, in their schools and hence you pull godly material out of school and you, you, put, you replace it with godless material. And that's what we're seeing. So we're worried about the curriculums that our children are being taught. All these books right here are in the uh, elementary of a school in my school district, Montgomery County, the most um, highest performing uh, affluent school community in Maryland. And these are the books in the elementary right now. And that little woman last week uh, went to a rally, uh, you know, um, opposing these books, but these books are it probably in the public schools and in in some of the schools that your children might be attending. So what is the solution? Let's see the next slide. Put parents in control. Okay, so, and here are some other books uh, that are, our California school broadcast sexually explicit books. These are in, uh, these are a part of the curriculums and in the libraries. Okay, so our solution is put parents, let's see that put parents in control, next slide. When parents or city council are in charge, they can set up these advisory committees that will help select, the parents will help select the curriculum, the faculty and the school administrators. This is how we used to do it. We need to go back to, to this kind of thing. But in the meantime, what we do is we show up to the board meetings and we um, wear maybe, you know, our Moms for America t-shirts. Let's have eight mamas with Moms for America t-shirts sign up for a two to three minute public comment and talk about how the founders intended, you know, for the, the local community to determine its uh, standards of morality, decency, and safety teach them about the Northwest ordinance that they wanted, their founders wanted morality and um, religion along with knowledge taught in the schools. And we should be able to have a, a say about, you know, the curriculums that our children are being taught, the books that are in. So, so teach them some principle of how, you know, it, how, how our founders intended. Read to them Amendments 9 and 10, uh, Principle 21 from the 5,000 year leap. And you're here to exert your local influence because that's how we're gonna be able to preserve the freedom and teach our children the way the, the mothers in this community want them taught. And this is what our founders intended. Say something like that. And, and see, these are all ideas that you've been learning, uh, hopefully, or maybe we need to take the healing of America one more time or the 5,000 year leap this fall, we really kind of hash out some of these um, principles that you can use when you go and, and go to these some of these meetings and testify before the board. And um, okay. So let's see the next slide. Concern number three, we're worried that patriotism and love and respect for our founding fathers has been removed from the classroom. Young people don't love America anymore. They're being taught critical race theory that this nation was founded on slavery, that your parents are racist, that if you're white, you're probably racist kind of things. And so what's the solution to this? Let's see that next slide is to teach the constitution and the American heritage to uh, our children and also get these kind of textbooks into the public school. 
gift these books to your teachers. I cannot tell you through the years how many 5,000 year leaps I have given to the teachers when I go into parent-teacher conference and give them a feel for what is being taught to our children in our home. And I would highly recommend this book. This book, The Making of America, is the, I believe is the most comprehensive book on the constitution from the viewpoint of the founding fathers. My um, cottage meeting group that I started uh, like 10 years ago, we went through the making of America because we have a student manual that fill in the blank. It took us two years meeting once a week, every Wednesday, 9.30 to 11.30. But after two years of studying the making of America, oh, those women are so strong and they're so rooted in principle and they have made so many changes in their community. I'm gonna show you a picture of that group in just a minute. But, you know, so gift these kind of books to school teachers and learn the principles out of these books. That I Love America book, um, I taught uh, little stories from that for years to my children, little stories and games and poems and songs that I would teach incorporate in the family devotional. Let's see that next slide, Hannah. Also, the Benjamin Franklin books, read these to your children. They will fall in love. You will fall in love with the founders. It tells the, their stories and how, you know, they, they, their belief in God and the work that they did. So, uh, you know, as you get steeped in these things, then you steep your children in these things, and then they will stand up and defend these things as they grow up and, and get older. Let's see the next um, slide. Okay, concern number four, we're just ticking away here, mamas. We're worried about, and here are some more resources. I'm telling the, those cottage meeting manual uh, with those 12 lessons, we teach these classes on um, Thursday. But uh, these are all ways in which you can become empowered as you learn these certain things and you begin to speak differently to your children, to your husband, to your neighborhood, to your school teachers. And that 5,000 year leap book, remember it's the same book. There's just two different uh, covers on, on that book. Okay, let's see that next slide. Another worry we have is for the safety of our children, spiritual safety and physical safety with all of these mass shootings and violence that we're hearing about in the schoolrooms. Um, the solution is, let's see the next slide, to reinstate family learning. Now, what do we mean by that? Let's go back to that solution, reinstate family learning. We want to reverse the failure formula that was introduced by John Dewey when they separated the kids. Because remember, they all used to meet all the kids in, in one um, building, right? The one little one room classroom. So they separated, you know, the, the elementaries, the middles and the high schools. And it shows that when you, you can create one school system where the, all family members can attend together, it is... They have seen a decline in drugs use, vandalism, violence, and inappropriate behavior amongst the students and greater unity in, in the entire community when families, whole families can attend the school systems. So um, twice in my lifetime of raising my kids, they've gone to school where the private school has been K through 12th grade. And there was a time when my little 16-year-old would drive all the kids to school and drive all of them home. And as they'd sit around the dinner table, the youngers would say, I saw Frankie put his arm around a girl um, in the hallway. Or they, they would like kind of snitch on each other. And then we would have a robust, lively discussion. And so they were all looking out for one another. And um, this little picture here just happened a few weeks ago in my little girl's um, uh, little all-girl private 
Catholic school where it is K through 12. And all the time the youngers are interacting with the older girls, it was Jane Austen day. And so the little five-year-olds and the 18-year-olds wore their best dresses and they had fancy, they, they learned how to decorate a beautiful table set and they talked about manners. Then they went out on the playground and they, they danced, they learned uh, how to dance the youngers with the olders and my daughter loves having, you know, being a mentor to the younger children and having the older children to, to kind of want to emulate. And so we reinstitute this kind of learning when all ages are under one roof. And, and in addition to this, it would eliminate the need for so many buses going to so many buildings and, and other unnecessary expenses could be reduced drastically. Okay, let's see the next worry about our education. Are we still in education? Yes, we are. Uh, no trespassing. Do you find it's harder and harder to get into the school systems? I have seen such a change in really the last five years where I can't get it really maybe 10 years that I uh, can't get into my child's um, public school without an identification. And I've actually had to go back home and get my ID because they wouldn't let me into the school. And so, yes, we understand that, you know, we're living in a time when people, you know, have, have uh, gotten in schools with guns. And, and so in a way you kind of understand that, but this whole notion that we don't even have um, homeroom teachers anymore in the public schools in my neighborhood. And uh, um, remember the, not homeroom teachers, but homeroom parents that were in charge of the parties or would come and volunteer or correct papers. They don't want parents to do that anymore. And so what they've been able to do is when parents aren't regularly volunteering in the school systems or feeling comfortable that they can come eat lunch without you know being a, a difficult, um, procedure is that they're instituting policies and programs. I remember last year on the first day of school, my oldest boy, who was a senior in a, a government school, <laughs> a high school, said, mom, in every single one of my classrooms, I saw a video about the importance of being vaccinated and why it's irresponsible not to be vaccinated. So um, I, I called up the, the school the next day and I told them I didn't appreciate that. But when parents aren't regularly in the classrooms, they can, you know, they can um, really push some of these uh, ideas uh, without you knowing about it, unless the child tells you. And so, you know, did, did it do anything? I don't know. I think we still have to go on record and let them know that, that what they're doing is not acceptable. And, and that's contingent on your children telling you, because if you don't, that if they don't tell you, you're not really sure anymore what's going on. And it's so interesting. I was talking to my 23 year old daughter yesterday when we were on that Zoom birthday call and she, and we were talking about what's going on right now with Pride Month. I mean, it's really over the top in Washington DC. You can't go anywhere without being bombarded with uh, rainbow flags and in stores and movies. And, and she said she went to go, she had ordered some food and she went to go pick it up, but there were gay bars all around this restaurant that she had ordered the food from and there was no parking. And she said, I just wasn't comfortable <laughs> with what I was seeing, the crowds that were there. So she said, she called them up and she said, I am not comfortable with the location of your business and all the activity and all the pride activity and all the types of people. So she said, I just wanna cancel my order. I won't be coming back to your restaurant. And so what we have to do is we have to, and, and so um, 
she said, I, I don't know, you know, that probably didn't mean anything to them, but she said, I, we have to continue to fight back. This is my little 23 year old telling us all this and uh, let our example of letting them know we are not happy with the videos that you're showing. We're not happy with the locations or, you know, what's in front of your store. And, and leave that as an example and, and let that make an impression on, on whoever is on the other end. And so I just thought that that was beautiful. How our little 23 year old schooled us all that we don't just quietly sit back and allow what is going on right now this month in our country to occur. Okay, let's see the next slide. What is the next slide here? Okay, what is the solution to the no trespassing? Well, we eliminate, once again, the control of district and state school boards, all right? Many communities, uh, when you take away the power of the boards to control the schools by assigning them these boards just to be advisory only or do away with the boards and don't accept the monies that come from these kind of state or federal boards. All right, and once again, we'll talk about next week when we restore or repair parts of the constitution, it will be easier to just say, uh, I no longer, I don't want any of your free textbooks that you're gonna give our school district. We're gonna come up and provide uh, our, our own. And, um, and we'll talk about how that is a reality when we're no longer looking to Washington DC to tell us how to educate our children, but we're figuring it out amongst ourselves locally as we go to the school boards and we ask for them to, to establish advisory committees of parents to determine what kind of curriculums or what kind of faculty or what kind of principal. And if you get a parent involved sitting in these advisory boards, I can tell you the parents are going to want to put God back into the schools, all right? Okay, the next step to becoming involved locally is to heal our communities. Let's see that next slide. So we talked about some ideas for healing our education. Now we're gonna talk about ideas for healing our community. Let's see that next slide. So most of us don't even know, we feel completely disconnected from the school or the city councils or the, you know, the city leaders. We don't even know who they are. So what is the solution? Let's see that next slide. Well, we gotta get acquainted with them. And so that means that we have to Boy, if you cottage in your neighborhood, you invite them in to you have a meet. Jolene. Jolene. <clears throat> Jolene, we can't hear you. I think she's frozen. Yeah, hold on one second.
you. Okay, here we go. Am I back on? I hear uh, you. You are back, on, back yes. on. Yes, you're back okay. on. <laughs> I, I think the, the gremlins are in the computer today. They don't want uh, this message to get out. Okay, can we good. Check your, your so video. Let's see that slide. The, you can't see um, your video. About... There you go. There you go. We can see you now. Okay. Oh, we can see you now. Okay. All right. Very, very good. Okay. So. When you have a, a, a candidate who's running for office, you ask them, are, are you a student of the Constitution? I mean, honestly, make them squirm a little bit. Say, uh, what do you think about critical race theory? Where, where do you stand on um, abortion? Where, uh, what are you going to do to get you know, explicit books out of the school libraries or pornography? Uh, where do you stand on... Uh, Oh, gender ideology being taught to students. students. So you can kind of smoke them out and, and know who the good ones are that you want to support and the ones that you don't want to support and then spread. Jolene, we're losing you. Okay, I'm sorry. Are we, are we back? Yep, we can hear your voice. I can't see you. Hello. Are we here? Oh, I can see you now. Hello, are you, are we coming back? Okay, I see, can you see me now? Oh goodness, I wonder what's going on. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, let's see the next concern. Next slide, unwholesome. We're worried about unwholesome activities and vices that are in the community. Okay, there you go. Okay, we can't go to out of our door these days. I don't know about you, but in Washington, D.C., they're taking Pride Month very seriously. We are bombarded with rainbow flags everywhere we go, in the stores, in the movie theaters, this uh, gender ideology is being pushed everywhere. And so what is the solution here? Let's see that next slide. We can only support worthy causes and events. So that means as painful as it is, I live five blocks from Target. I'm used to going to Target probably two or three times a week. It's right across from the yoga studio and a popping in. Yesterday, I so desperately needed a graduation card, but I went up the street in my car to get it because I'm not going to Target anymore. I'm prepared never to go to Target again. We can only support worthy causes and events and organizations that we agree with. We can't give our money anymore to uh, these kind of um, uh, stores or businesses or activities. We have to support wholesome activities. So if there's a rodeo in the community or a family night in the park or end of the school uh, cookout or concerts, um, local community patriotic concerts, we gotta go there. My little daughter has just joined um, a, a choir in the community and, and it's a beautiful choir. They performed at the White House and the Kennedy Center and, and on Sunday they had the most wonderful patriotic program. She accompanies and then she uh, plays for them. Let's see my mute. And so these are the kind of things that we have to be going to. So, you know, New York City is only three and a half hours from where I live in Washington, DC. 
And it was just the Tony Awards on Sunday, like the Academy Awards for Broadway's shows and performances. And my husband and I, a few months ago, went and saw that show, Some Like It Hot. It was the 1950s show with Marilyn Monroe. And, and it was about two guys that have to dress up like ladies because the mob is after them. And they join this woman band. And it's, it's very cute. Well, imagine what the modern day version of that is. The one that one of the two men on Broadway that we just saw a few months ago dressed up like a woman and he decided he liked being a woman. And by the end of the Broadway show, he has decided to, you know, fall in love with a man and, and love is love and how beautiful it is. Well, wouldn't you know, he won the best actor on Broadway on um, Sunday night. I saw him perform and he's a black man. And um, my husband will say they're using the black community to do their bidding. But um, I thought, and if I had known that that Broadway show was, was uh, really a promotion for transgenderism, we wouldn't have gone to that show. And so we just have to be wiser uh, about where we pay our $150 a ticket. So I, and I, you know, as much as we love Broadway shows or, you know, movies or entertainment, we have to do our homework ahead of time. So isn't it interesting that he was dressed up, He, he uh, this man, I forget his name, I think it's G-G-H-E-E -E is his last name. So he was dressed as a man, but he had uh, big jewelry on and then a, a, a real kind of flamboyant long uh, gown. And he, he said he's non-binary. So he was going to identify as a male to receive the male award a male Tony and there was actually two non-binary uh, men that won uh, best actor for drama best actor for a musical on Sunday night for the Tony Awards but can you not see that one of these times one of these men is going to identify as a woman and they will start taking the the woman's award for the Academy Awards or for the Tonys, you know that is going to happen. And so we have to, we can't give our monies anymore to causes that we don't believe in. Okay, concern number three, media pollution is invading our home. Let's see that next slide. Pornography, indecency, violence. I mean, watching you know a Netflix movie, the language is just so commonplace, the F word and sex and and you know, gay sex is so common and transgenderism. So what is our solution? Number two, are the solution the next slide? We legislate it out, we monitor it out, we block it out, we unplug it. Particularly when it comes to pornography, this can always be solved. Let's see that next slide, Hannah. That can't be solved at the local level. It needs to be go vert vertically uh, up the line to the federal level. So we have to petition our state legislators and our federal elected leaders to pass laws making the transmission of immorality illegal. A lot of our pornography comes in, into our country from foreign countries. And so it would have to be handled at a federal level. And so, but what you can do right now in your home is have policies with your phones. Uh, for years, all the children would have to have uh, their phones in our bedroom at nine o'clock or all of our computers are in open areas. You can check, I have friends check their children's phones. My one girlfriend said there's a new phone out. It's the number one rated phone for parents to give their children. It's called the Bark, B-A-R-K phone. And every text that comes in, every uh, conversation, you can know 
everyone that your child is talking to and you can see all the texts. It's called the Bark, B-A-R-K phone. And when I Googled it, it, it actually said it was free if you have other phones uh, with some of these companies. So, so that's something that you can use. Absolutely, we can legislate moral laws, all right? We can pass, we, uh, we should be able to set the standards of decency in our communities and in our states. We should be able to define it and spell it out because we know the problems when we allow filth and degeneracy into our communities. It affects our families and is destructive for generations. So we have to stand up against this kind of, you know, when people say we can't legislate morality. If we don't, then we will be promoting immorality, all right? If we don't stand up and set the standards that we want in our communities and in our states, then uh, ungodly standards will penetrate. There's also this false idea or doctrine that common consent is, you know, the, the doctrine of common consent. It's really a disease of false of falsehood. Just because two people can do something in secret doesn't mean that it's right or we should legalize it. All right. Our rights come from God. All right. He is, he is our lawgiver. This is what you could teach your children. Our founding fathers used the Bible as the standard for morality. They knew that our rights, our inalienable rights, come from God, not from Congress, not from government. And the purpose of God's laws is to protect people and to protect families. Look, the number one principle from the 5,000-year elite tells us the most reliable basis for sound government, strong government, and good relations between people, just human relations is based on natural law, God's law. So we absolutely can advocate for good moral laws. In fact, this nation, our founders knew, depended on godly law. Okay, let's see the next slide. Moving right along, what's our next concern? Pornography and indecent materials are available everywhere. They're available in the school systems, school libraries, in the public libraries. So what is the solution? Let's see that slide to dig out the dirt legally and decisively. Okay, so this means we have to know who our elected leaders are. We want them to make laws that will prohibit the sales of pornographic materials in local stores, or you know, we need to know our school school board members so they won't allow explicit materials in the in the schools if we're in a, a, a store and there's explicit pictures on magazines we go we ask you know the little clerk where's can I talk to um, the manager of the grocery store and you ask them can you please not put your magazines you know that are with these headlines at the eye level of my children even if they don't do anything about it. Let your voice be on record in their mind and before God that you stood up and you said something about this. And as a community group, imagine if you had a cottage meeting of 10 women that met once a week or once a month in your home. As a group, you got together to protest at your grocery store, at your local library. I mean, last week, that woman that I showed you went to a rally against these explicit materials books in the school system at the um, the school superintendent um, uh, location building. And so uh, uh, as a group, get together and protest, you know, the library or the stores that are having these offensive uh, materials in them. Okay, the third step, let's see the next slide to becoming involved uh, locally is in healing our community is 
to assist in healing our state. Now look at this little group of women here. I started this cottage meeting ugh, like 13 years ago. They still meet today, every Wednesdays, 9.30 to 11.30. I used to sit at that little table and we pledged allegiance and we went through the healing of America. We went through the making of America. We went through the 5,000 year leap. We went through the cottage meeting series. And then sometimes we loop back around because there was new women in the group. And we would reteach some of this or, you know, other women would have ideas for other books to study and we studied them. These women had done this now for 13 years and it's there that they learned the constitution and they even we studied the state constitution. When you understand these kind of things, you speak from a position of strength. All right. These women are forced to be reckoned with once a month. They have had people running for office. They'd have elected leaders come and speak to them and they vet these people and they usually send them home with a 5,000 year leap in a constitutional pocket constitution because they don't know their stuff as well as these ladies. All right. And so um, also uh, what these women do is when the legislative session begins, four or five of them will go up and they'll monitor uh, legislation going up. Uh, at, at the state house and they'll come back and they'll, they'll report uh, to the women. And so, you know, they, they can kind of follow uh, what is being uh, addressed um, up in the state capitol. Let's see the next slide. So this little cottage meeting is um, the mayor of the town. She's a lady, she's in the white right there, the little plaid jacket and black heels. That is the mayor of their town. And there's two wives whose husbands are legislators that this is their cottage meeting. So don't you know, boy, that is uh, ideal is to get some of the elected leaders attending the cottage meetings as well, all right? And so everyone that comes and, and, you know, these ladies can get a group of, of 30, I've seen 30 and 40 women when they have a speaker of someone who is running for office. And so, you know, you're putting the people that come and speak to your cottage meeting on notice that there are women, there are mothers who know the constitution, who know their inalienable rights and who are watching, you know, what, what they do. Okay. They also recommend, let's see the next slide. Um, attending, let's see, let's see the next slide and the next one, attending uh, rallies and protests, peaceful protests. Let's go back to, um, that's uh, just a few weeks ago, I went up to Trenton, New Jersey. Those are, that's a cottage meeting of mamas in New Jersey. And they helped to organize this at their state house. And um, it was awesome to see their influence and, and see those two ladies. There's my husband with those two ladies. Those are a part of that cottage meeting group in Utah that I started. These women have been attending that cottage meeting. They are rock stars. They have podcasts now. They are writing books. They're giving tours of patriotic sites around the world. I mean, when you get this information in you, God puts on your heart and you begin to do things you never could have dreamt. And I, I mean, I could spend 15 minutes telling, telling you what some of the moms in this New Jersey cottage meeting have done that have impacted the school systems as they've gotten a curriculum in there that, that is, um, they're seeing just the most amazing results from this healthy lifestyle curriculum. Okay, let's see the next slide. Hannah, what is our next slide? Also know your history, know the history of your state and community so you can instill it in your children and in your family, uh, a love and appreciation 
for their ancestry and for um, their heritage. And so that they will feel within them, look at all these men that died on this battlefield in Gettysburg. We went there last year, took some of our kids. More people died in, in that battle in the Civil War than any other. And let this history get up and rise up in these children so they know that they got to get on that wall and that they got to fight and they got to sacrifice to preserve, you know, the principles upon which this nation was founded. And then let's see the next slide. You might have to become a candidate. You might run for public office. Let's see that next slide. You know, I always tell the story of a little mama who went through uh, just a few classes of healing of America. And she knew that she had to run for the school board. Her name is Samantha Hall. And she looks like this little blonde lady, but she's obviously from Sarasota, Florida. But Sam went on to win her school board position. She, you know, um, was able to convince uh, several other people in town to run for positions. They all won two years ago. And then she texted me recently saying that, uh, they're, they're gonna have some more people run for the school board and they are gonna flip the school board from, from uh, what it was a few years ago. And it's because she went through the Healing of America seminar. So you, are, you might have to run for office or definitely you know go to some of these uh, um, school board meetings or uh, congressional uh, committee hearings and sign up to testify for two or three minutes, go to the, your little rallies. All of these things are a part of taking a stand and letting people know, you know, what what uh, what your heart is and what your beliefs are and what you want values and standards in your in your town and in your country in your state. Okay, let's see the next concern. Many people were coming to the end here. Many um, people have become just neutralized, silenced. We become victims of political correctness. We have been drawn into apathy because we don't want to appear to be homophobic or a hater, and so we're just not saying anything as some of the, you know, these gender ideologies and teachings are being pushed upon us. Uh, I had to drop off something at my little girl's um, private Catholic school the other day, but it's housed in a Methodist church, her little Catholic school. Does that make sense? Guess what was in front of the uh, church that they had just put a pride flag and on the banner and on the little dice there, they said, um, uh, you know, pride, it's pride month, everyone welcome. And I thought, oh, wow, the school that my child, now this isn't the church that we go to, but it's the school, uh, it's in, in the church, her little Catholic school is housed. And even that church, St. Paul's that I've gone to for years is now, you know, uh, woke, so to speak. And so um, what is the solution here? What we know, uh, let's see the next slide. We know how God feels about people that are lukewarm, that won't take a stand. He says, so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. I think it is offensive to God when we will not take a firm stand for righteousness. I think he'd rather have us be either hot or cold, you know, than just kind of be in this gray zone and not being willing to speak up and say and do something. So the solution is take a firm stand for righteousness. Let's see that next slide. Don't worry about who is right, but rather what is right. 
All right. Remember that beliefs and feelings don't give you, let's see that next slide, teach this point, especially to your children and grandchildren, that your feelings don't give you license to perform. Nowadays, kids are being taught if you feel something, just go with it, follow your heart. It seems to be like Disney's theme the last decade or so. We have to teach our children and our grandchildren. We keep our feelings within the bounds that God has established. We weigh our feelings against godly law. So when a child comes and says, well, I have a feeling, I just felt like I should do this. You say, it doesn't matter. You stick with what God has commanded. And that will always elevate and bless you. Those feelings or those urges that young people are thinking is okay to act upon is going to be their undoing and destruction. And we're seeing that. So we teach our children, we keep our feelings under control just because you're a girl and you feel like you're a boy doesn't mean you become a boy. It's like saying, you know, a man who has feelings for his, uh, the secretary in his office, even though he's married. Well, I had feel, you know, I just said, well, if I couldn't help, I, is it all right? No one would say that would be all right for him to have an affair based on his feelings for, uh, you know, the secretary in the office. And so we train our children that feelings and even unvirtuous feelings are normal sometimes, but we keep them. We go back to what God has taught and we don't have a license to perform just based on our feelings. We see all kinds of groups of kids now. My uh, son, when uh, the first year, his senior year last year, he came home at the beginning of school year and he's like, so many girls have um, cut their hair short or shaved it and have colored it like blues and hot pinks. And he's like, I think they're all experimenting with their sexual identity, mom. And we're seeing groups of young people that are performing or acting out on their feelings. So, you know, when the world says, just follow your heart, you say, well, who we're, we want to follow God, kids. We don't want to follow the world. We don't want to even follow our hearts. We want to follow God. If you want to follow God, that means you got to follow his lifestyle. You have to study him and do as he does. So, you know, that's those kind of notions are best taught in the home as you teach them these Bible stories. The bounds that God has established is how your feelings are to be or not to be performed on. Okay. So feelings do not give us the right to perform. And so we are coming to the end of our class, you know, in summary, the healing of our homes, our communities, our, our school systems, our nation, our government really is going to only come through the intervention of heaven because I dare say we progressed so far down that road, sorry, it's dark, that we can't do it without his help anymore. And so um, we've got to get this, the problems that we're seeing in the world and in our country and our school systems are too big for us. So we've got to get God back in our lives and in the schools. And that will justify the heavens to intervene. And so we've talked a lot today about problems and we talked a lot about solutions. What can you do to be a part of the healing of the education in your communities of your state? Uh, look, the story of America has always been one of being unafraid. We have a warrioring spirit. Let's see this next slide. In America, we have fought for our freedom. This is integral to our heritage. And um, Isaiah says, no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment shall be condemned. So just know we have God on our side, but we got 
gotta hold our ground. We gotta hold the line. We gotta be in prayer every single day. And then we gotta be up doing something, being a part of the solution, using some form of action. Let's see that next slide, Hannah. God loves liberty. We know, he says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So when we get God back in the game, when we get God back in our learning and in our homes and in our school systems, when we're praying and when we're showing up to the boards and when we're speaking and when we're running and when we're showing up this rising generation. So when they go out, they can speak up and stand up for God. It will turn, it will evoke that covenant that we've made with God and it will open our hearts and our brains to heaven. And when we have God in us, we want to repent. We want to forgive people that have done wrong. We don't, we don't want to hate. We want to serve. We want to help others move forward. And then that will justify the heavens in inter intervening. I really want to recommend next um, tomorrow night, Thursday night, uh, the cottage meeting, um, the cottage meeting series is how to teach your children to have a reverence and understanding for the constitution. We're not trying to make our kids constitutional scholars, but I'm gonna have my daughter who's 28 teach it. Because I really think at this point, some of the things I've taught to my children for decades in my home, they are best, that, that, that's the fruits of the labor. So I want you to hear from her what I did when she was 10 and 15 and 20 that has caused her now at 28 to do some of the things that she's doing, you know, and there's just simple little things that she remembers the way we uh, we, we titled up for our founding fathers in the constitution. So I'd really recommend coming on to that class tomorrow night at eight o'clock Eastern standard time. She's gonna, I'll be there with her, but she's gonna teach, she's a, she's a marvelous teacher. She's a better teacher than I am. And so um, anyways, that concludes our lesson. I've given you so much to think about. So go back and study these solutions and ask God, what can you do to be a part of, you don't have to do all the solutions. You don't have to do all the work, but he does want us to do something. I've given you a lot of ideas for solutions here. So make it a matter of prayer, how you can be a part of these solutions that we discussed today in healing our education and our communities and our state. Yeah.